1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we made it through Super Bowl coverage. We made it through parade coverage. We made it through free agency and the NFL draft and minicamp and mandatory minicamp. And we have finally entered what we love and probably fans hate the dead period Woo! it's all yeah. about us as always That's right. yeah <laughs> four or five weeks any story that that breaks about your kansas city cheese is probably not a good one unless it's about chris jones i guess right i mean right. that would be the one that but people would like to hear before training camp we're going to get into that in a second uh This is the final editor show of our season. We do take a little bit of a break here as I was just kind of alluding to, because there's not much news going on uh, until we, we get to closer to to training camp. The plan is for a July 19th return. So a little bit more than a month that will, it should be close to the time the training camp camp begins. That's of course subject to, to change here, but uh, that'll be the extended break, but we'll, uh, get you ready during this program for everything that may be happening between now and then. Of course, there is the chance, uh, and Jones is probably the perfect example of if something were to break, we will have emergency podcasts. Just because we're stopping the editor show for a month doesn't mean we won't jump on to talk about some big-time breaking news. Hopefully good, and hey, you never know, right? I, I've been here for... The Tamba Ali tweet storm and several different arrests and, and court proceedings and, and whatnot that happens sometimes during this period and, and stuff like that. We will cover as well if it were to happen, but hopefully not. John, I asked for reviews last week and our great listeners uh, did deliver. I, of course, did not pull it up fast enough because I am. OK, here we go. So uh, this one is from Geisert B., First, let me apologize for not downloading this early because I've been listening to your show for two plus years. The editor show is a thoughtful, dynamic and meaningful show. Pete and John are the perfect combo. Uh, amazing. And he spelled it like he spelled it out like Paul McCartney would. And he said, <laughs> thank you. So that, That's a nice one. Uh, and this one, uh, second one from uh, Kev. Pete has quickly become a must listen, must follow for Chiefs news. Twitter is the best to follow for camp updates. My summer question instead of ranking the Chiefs teams since 2018, rank the last team each Chiefs team played since 2018. Okay, so here, here are the choices, John the 2018 Patriots, the 2019 49ers, the 2020 Bucks the 2021 Bengals and the 2022 Eagles the only oh there's two Super Bowl teams so the 18 Patriots went on to win the Super Bowl so Mm -hmm. did the 2020 Bucks who the Chiefs were playing right right. Mm -hmm. Uh, they ended up beating the 49ers and then the Bengals and then the 20 uh, or I'm sorry the Bengals went on to the Super Bowl and then the 2022 Eagles they ended up defeating so what uh, what do we think there
2: Patriot, well, I think that, I, I that think the Patriots, Patriots from 2018 are the top of the list. I think that's pretty easy, personally.
1: That 2020 Bucks team was was pretty good. I don't yeah. know yeah. if any of these other teams are beating them. For me, I think it would come down to the 2020 Bucks, the 20. This is tough. I I think I would take the 49ers out of it. I think I would take. I think I would take the twenty one Bengals out of it because that I know that they almost won that game against the Rams, but I, they should have beaten that Rams team, and the fact that they lost there out of it for me. Uh, I like that Bucks <laughs> team. Uh, this is weird because you would have Brady versus Brady. How do you even differentiate between the two teams? Well, yeah, between, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm picking the twenty twenty Bucks.
2: Yeah, between the two of us, we're both picking a Brady team, right, to be the top.
1: And- I think I like the 2020 bucks. That front seven was awesome. Um, you saw what it did against the Kansas City Chiefs. Sure. Uh, I think the receiving court was really good. Uh, I'll take. And then I, for me, I think it comes down to the 20 bucks or the 2022 Eagles because I I thought Jalen Hurts played a spectacular, spectacular Super Bowl in a losing effort. Uh, for me. I think it's the Bucks, but that's a tough question. That's an interesting one. So that is an, that
2: is an interesting question. Yeah, that's very good. Thank you for I, that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I racked my brain on that one. All right, let's get down to business here, uh, right here on the, the editor show. So uh, the, the main story I think that came out of mandatory minicamp was the absence of Chris Jones. We didn't see Chris Jones in any of the volunteer uh, voluntary workouts uh, that happened. Uh, day, we get day three, day six, and day nine uh, during that part of OTAs. And then mandatory minicamp is the only time that you can get fined for this. And Jones doesn't care because he knows he's about to make more millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the fine doesn't really bother you. And it's a negotiating tactic, but we did get some sound from Andy Reed, Patrick poems and Brett beach on the situation. So let's go through the sound first, John, and then we will weigh in. Here's Andy Reed.
3: So, uh, Chris wasn't here and, um, kind of like last year, same type of deal. So, um, that's his choice. Or, uh, you know, so he chose not to be here. He'll be, I'm sure will be at training camp. I just wanted to make sure I understood you correctly on, on Chris. You said you were sure he'll be at training camp. Well, before. yeah, I'm I mean, really I, sure a... well, I'm not sure about anything. I'm not sure I'm going to be there, but, I mean, I'm, you know, <laughs> i got to get through. I, mean, I wish I could predict that. But um, I think he's, you know, there's a chance. Chance chance he's not. We'll see.
0: So, I mean, I know it's Brett's deal, really, but you have your feelings are pretty good
3: right now on that front as far as camp goes. Yeah. I don't even deal with it. I mean, I, I, I let Brett and his group deal with it. If you're there, you're there. And if you're not, we keep going, you know, it's one of those deals. So they, they've got to, they'll work all that out. What's, They're communicating. So that's important. What's your communication with Chris? About all this? Um, make sure you're in shape.
1: Well, there you go from Andy Reed. He went from wanting to pass it by quick to trying to use humor to saying, this is Brett's deal to, Putting his final foot down and saying, well, if he is going to skip the offseason, <laughs> you better show up and, and be ready to go. I, I do remember when this was ongoing a couple of years back, John, uh, Chris was like a little out of shape at, at camp. And I, I could tell that that did not uh, did not really you know go well with the coaching staff and. There is a, a, a sort of an understanding, I, I think, when you have these types of situations, that, and that's especially with players in the room. We said we were going to get to Patrick Mahomes. Here's Mahomes on the Jones situation.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's part of the business. I think Chris knows that we love him here. Uh, the, the, he's, uh, he's been a part of this team for a long time. Uh, he's one of the main reasons that we've had the success that we've had. He's been that leader on the defense. He's made a lot of big plays, and it seems like the biggest moments, and you want those guys on your team. Um, and so, like you said, it's part of the business. It's, it's the off season, even though you're getting better. I'm, I'm sure Chris is working, and he knows the defense that he needs to do. Um, and the, the hope is that everything's good good by training camp, and we're able to come in and just roll, and that's just part of it. And that's what makes this, this team such so great is uh, whenever guys like that have to go handle their business, we let them handle it. When they jump back in the building, we get back to right where we left off.
1: So before we get to Brett Veach on the, at the ring ceremony, red carpet on this, uh, John, I, I think par for the course. From Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, uh, Reid, you could tell, not completely thrilled about the whole situation, but you expect that. And Mahomes saying the right things that that he he said these types of things in the Orlando Orlando Brown situation before they ended up uh, walking away from from Brown.
2: Yeah, it gave me an idea for an article to do during the downtime though before training camp begins. Uh, the four phases of Andy Reid. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the four ways that he might answer a question he doesn't want to answer. Uh, and I also was was struck by Mahomes' comment uh, about this is the kind of team that we are, that when people yeah. have to go take care of business, we let them do that. And, and, you know, that had never crossed my mind before, but he's exactly right. Um, that's something that we don't see from Chiefs players is them making statements about a guy that's got to take care of business. And I think that's great.
1: Right. And and this is a thing across the NFL where players don't really like to comment on the money side of it because, you know, they realize that every single player uh, has to go through this at at one time or another. Mahomes has been fortunate where it has happened for him quietly behind the scenes, but that even extends to quarterbacks. Right. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a great example of a franchise quarterback that has gone through this a number of times and still going through it where, you know, he says Mm -hmm. he wants to free agency next year so. We will see on Jones. Uh, speaking of, of the whole Jones situation, as, as I mentioned, general manager Brett Beach uh, stopped by the red carpet media area last night to chat with media. And of course, Chris Jones came up. Here he was the GM.
2: We're in constant communication. I'd be shocked if Chris is in here. I mean, this is his type of party right here. So, um, but we have great communication and look, there's a lot of time before camp. So um, feel good about, you know, where we're going to be with, with Chris and, and um, we'll get to celebrate tonight and have a good time, and then, um, you know, break tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll have great dialogue from now to start a training camp, and look forward to Chris being here, and, and and not just for next year, but for a long time.
0: Do you have a timeline in your head where you feel comfortable getting <clears throat> stuff done?
2: No, not really. I mean, we have. I mean, listen, we have a long history together, and and um, we have a great relationship with his with his agent. So, um, I mean, these things usually get worked out right before, right during um, the first start of camp. So. Um, we anticipate the same, and we'll see how it goes.
1: How do you think the situation plays out, John?
2: I think that uh, the Chiefs really want to get a deal done, but I, I think this is just like we saw with Tyreek Hill. They're not going to they're not going to be forced into doing something that they don't think they can do, uh, that they can afford to do. And uh, you know, with Jones being 29 years old, he's right on the cusp of the age where we know that Brett Beach isn't going to just overpay. Uh, because he's got a history with the team, I do think they want to get him to to sign a new contract. Um, I think that's what they want to have happen. But I think what they've shown us here in the last few years is that they're just not going to go beyond what they think they can do.
1: Yeah, I think the key here is just to, to watch New York. Uh, the Jets need to mm-hmm. get yeah. Quinn and Williams to an extension, and uh, I think if you're Jones's team, you know you're probably saying. Well, we need to see what he makes because you know that ends up being a a baseline for what uh what you're gonna get from uh sorry, excuse me, what you're gonna get uh, uh get for Chris Jones. So uh I I don't know. I I feel like once that happens, once the Williams deal happens, that that will launch launch this negotiation and I I think speed it up and almost put it in the express lane because one thing I, I feel, and I was I had more questions about this, I, I think the last time is that both sides want to figure something out. But until you have that information with Williams and the Jets, it's just hard to know where those conversations begin.
2: Right. And and what if they're both waiting for the other guy to get their deal first? That's also a possibility. So right. this, you know, this it's just one of those things we'll have to wait out and see how it plays out. It's going to be hard to predict one way or the other and just just for the record i'll pull back the curtain a little bit i was chuckling because the cat was on pete's desk while, yes. uh, uh, while he was speaking explaining there, so.
1: explaining here for for 20 seconds uh, we opted <laughs> in this household to purchase a kitten this week and uh the kitten jumped on the desk for a second so uh, i got the right hat on otto the orange the orange cat uh is uh, is making himself home here on the airhead pride podcast uh, so that's the Jones situation. It remains to be seen how it plays out. We'll have your updates, or we'll have your updates uh, at ArrowheadPride.com. And of course, once that deal happens, uh, whoever is working that day will jump on for an emergency Arrowhead Pride podcast. Speaking of the red carpet, I just talked about how Brett Beach stopped by the red carpet. Uh, this was an event last night, private event uh, for the Chiefs, but they did open it to media uh, as far as them walking in. On the red carpet. Uh, we didn't get invited inside to see the ring ceremony. I'm sure you've seen videos and pictures from the Chiefs official Twitter account and on Chiefs.com. Here are a couple takeaways from the red carpet, John. The sense that I got from Andy Reid and his quick media appearance was that he was excited. I don't know if parties are really his thing. He First of all, he drove <laughs> his himself to the to the venue. You saw a lot of players with party buses and getting rides and fancy cars and and whatnot. And Andy Reid came in a truck and drove him and his wife <laughs> to the to the venue. But then he he had his media appearance, and I think there is like a very clear desire for him as he was walking in, even to saying like, "This is going to be fun to an extent for him. Let's get it up with because this is the final." celebration of mm-hmm. what is 2022 i mean these head coaches and i think about in, in conversations with andy reed it, it reminds me of nick saban and bill belichick where you've seen interviews with nick saban after he wins the national championship at alabama and you could almost tell he's not even comfortable with like being happy about it because he's ready for practice the next day or you know the recruiting that goes into college football and that's the sense I got from Andy Reid. It's like w- enough already. We did the White House. We did the parade. This is this is you know uh, r- really great. But I I want to get back and I want to get focused to winning games and championships again.
2: Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And um, we had a brief conversation about this uh, yesterday. This is in contrast to what they did in. After the uh, 2019 season, and they did the Super Bowl ring ceremony in September. Now, of course, the COVID situation played into that a great deal because doing it in the stadium where everybody could see and turning it into a media event uh, was maybe more appropriate under those circumstances. But, uh, yeah, I think he was ready for it to be done. And I'd just like to say that it's not every day that you get to see a pretty woman like Tammy Reed uh wear a beautiful evening gown and get out of a pickup truck. You just, right. you just don't see that every day. That's well, uh, that like Andy. that is in the pickup truck. Yeah.
1: I, I posted <laughs> a video of Andy Reid uh, on onto Twitter. Odd to see him in anything other than Chiefs gear or a Hawaiian shirt. So right, you gotta yeah. take advantage of those rare opportunities. And and especially some female Chiefs fans commented that they wanted to know where Tammy got her dress and where she got her custom chiefs helmet bag uh yeah that, that I, was cool
2: yeah i, thought I need was, i uh, need that for terry
1: <laughs> a nice touch uh some other takeaways from the red carpet i thought it was really cool to see former players uh, i know sometimes fans uh you know get a little upset that that players leave the chiefs and everybody should be a chief forever but juju smith schuster was there juan thornell was there andrew wiley was there really pumped to see the fellow guys again and, and celebrate the championship team one last time i did spot carlos dunlap uh, if you're wondering, he looked like he was in shape. Didn't look like he's in a rush to play any football at any second here. But uh, I, I think it still remains to be seen what happens with Carlos Dunlap. He's not announced his retirement. So I just wonder about him. Also saw Eric Bieniemy, which was really cool. And Eric Bieniemy and in, in talking to him and, and hearing what he said, he's in a really good place, really happy he got to come back. Uh, still in the process of figuring out how to sell his house and move, I think, at this <laughs> stage of the game uh, from Kansas City. He's with the Washington Commanders right now, as we well know. Uh, but all these guys had one last hurrah. Uh, you know, these guys are humans too. It's good to remind you guys. I'm sure a lot of them are sleeping right now and ordering DoorDash or whatever the fancy version of DoorDash is because I think <laughs> it it, well, it went well into the night. The players had rumblings, uh, an after party, and, and, you know, there's no more practice until uh, a month here. So they, they, they can take their time to celebrate. And uh, they did so in, in some of the pictures that you saw uh, last night, John.
2: Uh, I'm wondering now, you've made me wonder if uh, that, uh Commanders fans in D.C. are now discussing whether or not they've seen Eric Bieniemy looking at houses in the D.C. area. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what we always, that's what we always get whenever we have a coaching change in Kansas City, of course, is the latest report on which uh, which coach has been seen
1: with a real estate agent.
2: So, I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm
1: hoping that's going on in D.C. so they get the full effect. And like which which peanut they're at because, you know, there's several yeah. in the metro area like checking out the peanut. <laughs> Um, I thought one I thought the one of the cooler moments of the night, uh, Patrick Mahomes, we know he uh, can be petty, but we always know he's he's watching, and last night was another confirmation of even though he might not comment right away, he knows what everybody is saying. Uh, Jamar Chase this week when he was asked about pat and and because Joe Burrow had said Pat is the best quarterback in the world until someone knocks him off, which is I thought what which I thought was a really nice moment. Uh, jamar chase backed up his guy which you you expect and i think you would want in kansas city and he said pat who he went above and beyond and said pat who pat who joe's the best in the world mvp yada yada uh, Mahomes says nothing for seems like five six days hiding in the grass gets his second <laughs> ring last night has the photo of somebody taking the two rings on his finger uh and he says that's who and with two rings and uh Nice touch on the evening and just a reminder that uh, when someone, anyone wrongs or talks smack about Patrick Mahomes, he is seeing it. I mean, I don't know how many times people are going to do this before they get clapped back and whether he's counting his fingers or counting the rings on his fingers, but uh, people continue to to say things about him and he notices and it, and it certainly motivates him. I, I think that we know. So I And Andy Reid's always big on this, like about not motivating the other team with any kind of bulletin board material because Mm -hmm. it does enhance the player's effort. And you see that Mahomes sees everything. So I don't know. I would, if I was playing Mahomes, I would, I would be, maybe say some of these things internally. Like you go to Joe, hey Joe, you're the guy. You can, we can beat this guy, right? But like, there's no need. Like, why provide any kind of extra uh, pizzazz or motivation to to Pat that he clearly sees and then he he claps back last night, John.
2: It's kind of interesting because on the one hand, uh, players who do that kind of thing or individuals for that matter, who do that kind of thing, get a lot of attention on social media by making those kinds of statements. Mm -hmm. So that's a motivation for them to do it. But then, you know, if you've got a guy like Mahomes who can clap back and let's not lose sight of this, clap back effectively um uh, where he you know has motivation to beat your guys the next time around maybe it's not such a good idea it's kind of a double-edged sword i think for opposing players to make cracks about Mahomes. it i mean they can get attention that way th- but might not pay it might not pan out in the end
1: i've said this before i mean i i think this runs a repeat of the patriots meaning like when you happen to like a peyton manning when he was playing brady all those years when you happen to win and you happen to pull it off, you got to win the Super Bowl. So I don't know how many chances like a Josh Allen, a a, a Joe Burrow, like the Chiefs are, we can say this, right? The Chiefs are not going to make the Super Bowl every single year. Right. So but it, it might be few and far between. Right. So like the chance that you get, they should. I just said it earlier when we were talking about the the commenter, the reviewer's question: You got to beat the Rams in that game because I don't know if you're going to get another opportunity. And there's some really great players, I think, in the AFC. I've, I've said uh, how much I, I like Joe Burrow, how much I like a guy like Trevor Lawrence. You know, these are two guys that stand out. They might have great careers, but their Super Bowls are going to be limited because of Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, so, like, right. you got to get it done. And I, I just, I don't know. Much like Michael Jordan, there's no reason to poke the bear because the bear is in, inevitable. Uh and I guess I accidentally made a pun about the new course, course like bear thing <laughs> that he's doing this week. All right. The ring is really cool. Uh, I posted pictures to my Twitter that were, were sent to me by Jossens. We also have an article up at ArrowheadPride.com on it. Um, I, I also listed some of the cooler parts of the ring for me. Uh, a row of 54 diamonds is set along the perimeter, and this symbolizes the 54-point deficit that the Chiefs overcame in their last two Super Bowl postseason runs. So on the top of the ring, you see the three trophies of the organization. And you know that this is a team that loves to come from behind. And 54 points, uh, quite a a lot of points to, to get over to, in your two championship runs. And I, I think that was a nice little touch on the rings, the inside of it. So it pops out, turns into a pendant, which is a, another really cool part, because I know that There are some players that will always say, uh, John, and I've seen this now in these two Super Bowl runs where it's like, where do you even really wear this thing? Well, if you can put it on a fancy chain, which we know a lot of NFL players like to do, uh, that may be a a, a way to wear it a little bit more often. And uh, the interior includes a miniature version of Arrowhead Stadium, full-color field set with Lombardi trophies in the center. And I thought this was the, the best part of the ring for me. Depending on how many Super Bowls you won with the club, there's that many Lombardies, meaning inside, Clark Hunt has three, Patrick Mahomes has two, and then like a guy like Isaiah Pacheco was a rookie last year, he only has one. And then on the outside, it's a quote from Lamar Hunt that reads, "Arrowhead Stadium is my favorite place on earth." It's got a Lamar Hunt uh, symbol that they had on the the AFL jerseys, and then finally, it also includes the catchphrase for Andy Reid. So. Uh, for those that don't know this I, I don't I think we've talked about this before but Andy Reid has a slogan for every single year you know like some of like it's some of those signs that I'm sure you've seen in the Chiefs locker room that says work to win but he comes up with something new every year and that's going to be a driving force for the year last year apparently plastered inside the building was the word edge meaning I guess have an edge to your game uh, led to uh, a championship so they put that on the ring so some of the cooler parts of the of the ring there's more out there if you want to check it out there's a videos uh, of the ring It, it it's beautiful and it's and and you know as they were happy to say yesterday it's bigger than the first one you know i had a couple of thoughts first about
2: the pendant Uh, I had the immediate mental image of Chiefs players giving those to their girlfriends like they were in high school. I don't know. (laughs) That's that's what crossed my mind when I first they would have to get that.
1: They would first have to put on one of those like Houston Texan letter jackets that were made fun of by the entire (laughs) Internet when they did that. The JJ Watt Texans. But yes.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, And I had another thought that's now escaped me Uh, after I've
1: made the first one. So maybe it'll come back to me later. Well, we are about to take a break, so maybe you think about it during the break, and if you if it pops up in your mind, we will certainly discuss it. You are listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, the last editor's show for about a month here as we're wrapping up what is the offseason before training camp, and the Chiefs continued to do that. Yesterday, we already played some sound from the press conferences, but with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid for one last time before... We see them in St. Joseph, and a, I think a, a big player for me this offseason and, and what I was able to see and as far as the rapport and chemistry with Mahomes goes was with wide receiver Sky Moore, and this is someone that's going to have to step up as Juju Smith-Schuster moves on to the New England Patriots, and Patrick Mahomes noticed what Moore was able to do entering this offseason as well.
4: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, Scott's a great player. I think you could see at the end of last year how he was trying to kind of picking the stuff up and making big plays. Um, and I think that just kind of transitioned right into this season. Um, he's he's someone that's going to be be able called upon more, kind of in that same role, probably Juju was in last year. Uh, but he can also go over the top and make big plays happen um and another year in the offense so i think you see with coach reed's offense it's hard for those young guys sometimes to to have an expanded role um and as the season goes on they the, the role kind of expands and then that second year is when they really take off and so uh i'm excited for him but i'm excited for a lot of these dudes uh it's it's, it's cool to see how comfortable they are with the offense this year um and uh, we're gonna continue to move forward and put more and more on them so we can be the best that we can be
1: so there you have it and this week john we asked readers who would lead the chiefs in receiving yards when it comes to the wide receiver position. So you take Travis Kelsey out of it. I said sky Moore. I understand this is a little bit of an underdog pick, but I look at Kadarius Tony really like Tony. If you could guarantee me, he's going to play 17 games. It would probably be Tony, but I'm not putting my, you know, fake monopoly money on that bet. And so (laughs) look at Marquez Valdez scaling. I still think he's more of this like deep threat and you're only going to connect on so many of those. So I like sky Moore eating in this in the slot uh, across from you know what would be travis kelsey uh there on the outside
2: i think that's a fair argument but i think you can make a lot of other arguments too i mean that's the that's the problem with this whole thing is that it's pretty easy to make a, a relatively defensible argument for for several of these guys right. and it's just going to be one we we'll have to watch and see how it plays out so I, yeah, I can't disagree I, with
1: you. <laughs> I think if you were, were making these hypothetical odds, I don't think this number exists anywhere. This would be one of those things where you'd have to fly to Vegas and talk to a bookie and say, do you want to, you want to take this on or what? Um, but <laughs> I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling would be the favorite just because of the Tony injury factor. And then Tony and Moore would probably have equal odds. Uh, but I would go with Moore because I would trust that he would stay healthy more. Um, but again, we are just guessing at this point, uh, you can weigh in. If you find that article up on, on AP right now, Patrick Mahomes uh, also has two new tackles. This was my question to him because it's it's such an important part of what will be the 2023 season. Not the sexiest thing to talk about, but he needs to be protected. And here are his first impressions of Donovan Smith on the left and Jawan Taylor on the right.
4: I really I mean, really good players, uh, both of them. I mean, they've had success other places. So, you know, that they can play at a very high level, pro bowl caliber level. Um, And so now it's just about incorporating uh, them into our system. I think the best thing for him is we go against Spags. So uh, he he does a lot of different uh, blitzes, and they're having to communicate and and use that communication. And then whenever they're blocking one-on-one, I I have have the full trust in the world. But utilizing that communication, being at the right guy at the right time, stuff that we we work through. But uh, I think if you can get through OTAs and mini camp and training camp with Spags and get to the season, it'll be a lot easier.
1: And before you comment, John, I want to get this quote from Andy Reid on Wanye Morris who was working at a couple different places during uh, the off season left and right and right and left and I think he's a candidate and probably battling with Lucas Niang for what would be the swing tackle position which is really important here were Andy Reid's comments on Wanye Morris
3: I like him I like his ability I think that's a that was a good pick there so um, we'll just see see how it all how it all works out once we once we get going but he held his own he rotated in a little bit with the ones and um as Andy does he kind of gets everybody going there so I'm curious to see how he does once we get going and he's tired and mentally and physically let's see what happens then
1: I'm uh I'm bullish on the Chiefs offensive line this year I'm buying into the idea that this is the best offensive line that the Chiefs have had with, with Patrick Mahomes as starter I'm using the word bullish shout out to Stagner uh, Matt Stagner at I- the stock or what, what do we call that article that Matt Stagner does?
2: The, uh, uh, now I can't, <laughs> can't honest, believe it. Here. It's, yeah. The, it be a, thanks. I wasn't prepared for that question at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm really high. I would say that I'm, I'm bullish on, you know, what is this chiefs offensive line? It's the market movers. I just looked it up. Mark, so yeah, shout, okay. Shout out to Matt for doing market movers. That's going to kick up here soon. I believe he starts that during training camp, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, stock up for me when it comes to the, The Chiefs offensive line, and I I think it's not only because I think he's got the best starting five, but the depth is really going to be, I think, a a battle um, within training camp. And I I like what uh, Blaine Gabbert had to say about Donovan Smith that, you know, trying to explain to fans that this is one of the most athletic left tackles you could ever see still at the age of twenty nine. Um, I think he's a lot better than people realize you know, so long as he's healthy, how many times did we say that? you made a fun of it last last uh, podcast, John, about how often we say should he stay healthy? But uh, apparently he's one hundred percent right now. So I like Donovan Smith on the left. I like Juan Taylor on the right, and the chiefs seem to really feel that they got one in this third round pick, Wanye Morris as far as potentially a first year contributor as that you know, if someone needs to play off, if mm-hmm. someone gets hurt yeah. you can slide in at any tackle position.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's reasonable to to call him the the best offensive tackle, the best offensive line that Mahomes has had. I mean, I don't think it's hard to say that Donovan Smith ought to be at least equal to what we got out of uh, oh, no. Orlando Brown yeah. Jr. And um, and I think that Taylor is a clear upgrade over Wiley. And that's not to and that's not to say anything bad about Wiley. I thought Wiley did a respectable job at right tackle last year. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it's pretty easy to calculate that this should be the best offensive line Mahomes has had.
1: Yeah. And I I know I, I we should preface that or I guess post preface. I, I don't know what the word is for that with uh the, the disclaimer that you know the pads have not come on yet so sure. i've never seen Wanya Morris morrison pads you know i have the luxury of having seen the bucks tape of smith and you know jags sure. and, and taylor and some of the chiefs you know they they played these guys over the years so that's part of the reason that they brought him aboard why watch on?
2: i, I was just going to say that that uh, all of that is true we we have to have that disclaimer but it's better that reed is saying he's been impressed with what he's seen so far than not you know so uh, yes, we can't make a lot of conclusions, but the but the data we have is, is positive, and that's always a good thing.
1: All right, well, we'll go to the final quote from the Mahomes and Reed pressers, and I just thought this was a nice little nugget of... Because you're always wondering, well, Patrick Mahomes is the best player we've ever seen. Fact, right? But how does he get tested then? Because <laughs> at this point, right, like, you know, he should be... Impossible to test because he's won two Super Bowls. He's been clearly the best these past couple of years. Coming off a double MVP, where he's regular season Super Bowl MVP, and here's how Andy Reid still gets the greatest the game has to offer.
4: Hundred percent, I know it already. Um, it's so. First of all, you can see I'm still sweating from the conditioning test we just ran. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the the hardest memory I remember was the before I played that Titans preseason game my first year. Um, I went into like we a group install, um, and I remember. Like I knew the plays, but I got up there and Coach Reed told uh, Nagy to call the play, but don't tell me the formation. And so he, he just wanted he wanted me to be able to rattle off the formation without knowing what it was and just, just call a play and let him do the formation. And I remember it, it just it just shocked me. Like I knew him all, and it's like my mind just went completely blank. And so I just got up there and I and I remember there was a play and it was literally like five words, which is like the one play in, in Coach Reed's office is not like fifteen words and I was so flustered that I forgot it. I forgot the formation. And so <laughs> it, it's it's stuff like that. He keeps you on your toes and I mean I know it's hard. Physically for guys to get through, but I don't think people understand the mental side of it is like you're thinking the entire time and I think that puts as much stress on you as the physical toll and so uh, especially at the quarterback position. You have to stay on top of your on top of everything because, Coach, you don't never know when Coach Reed kind of throws those curveballs at you. Can you just recap what the setting of that was? That was yeah, that so was- it was, you know, that fourth, it, was, it used to be the fourth preseason game. Um, the the younger guys would get to play. The older guys would get the game off. Um, and so I got to start that game. Um, and so it was the last, like, group install, like, where we were going to run through all the plays and do that different type of stuff. And I knew them all. I studied them all. Um, but I, I, remember, I got in there and, I, and Coach Reed said don't don't call the formation. So he literally he would call the play, and he wouldn't tell me the formation. He just expected me to know. Um, and so that's 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 Coach Reed for you. So now I know ever since then I've always known the the, the formations. I never never <laughs> if you call a play I, I know the formation off the top of my head.
0: Diana. So you were younger then, obviously mm-hmm. you've grown so much. But does he do anything different? To-
4: during training camp, that can challenge you at this point in your career, that where he can get you. Yeah, no, hundred percent. He um, he he always asks. He'll he'll ask like little questions that you kind of lose track of throughout a long training camp practice. You might be just going through, uh, you're running plays. It's all back to back to back. He'll just ask you, "What's the down and distance of that last play?" And so it, you're like, "Man, we've ran eight plays in a row. I, I don't. It's, it's it's and it's like second and seven. All right, and you you did not even thinking about it. you're thinking about the play and getting everybody lined up, um, stuff like that. Or he'll ask you. Um, well, how much time was left on the the play clock before you snapped it? And so it's just stuff like that. He wants you to make sure you're seeing everything at the the whole entire time. And so when you get to the game, it's easy. Um, and so he just keeps you on your toes. And it's little things like that. That whenever you continue to learn and like, I've gotten to a point now where I know the formations, know that different type of stuff. He wants to make sure that you're paying attention to the littlest details on every single play.
1: This is the argument of like, well, anyone could do it with they had Mahomes. No. Now, Mahomes wouldn't be as good without Andy Reid, and Andy Reid wouldn't be as good as, without Patrick Mahomes. And I, I, I've I, said it a number of times. This is just my belief. Like, I think Matt Nagy is the next coach. That's a good thing considering he's in-house for the next X years that Andy Reid has because mm-hmm. you're, yeah. he's going to be able to mimic what Andy Reid is doing. Gave it a shot in Chicago. Didn't work out. Now he's back. He probably learned a lot of what he did wrong in Chicago, and he'll have now an unknown amount of years to see what Andy Reid does, why the chemistry between Reid and Mahomes is so good. And when it's time, similar, I think, McDaniel in New England and this version of the McDaniel situation is actually going to get the head coaching job because that never happened, is going to be able to, I think, seamlessly transition. Uh, You know, I, I think there's a chance Andy Reid has to last another five years. Right. I, I, I say it all the time. Andy Reid is six years younger than Bill Belichick just looks a little bit older. So Belichick doesn't get these questions. Um, but, you know, I think when that time comes, Nagy is going to be ready to step in. And there's such a rapport of this trio there, mm-hmm. which is why it was important, I think, for the Chiefs to find Eric Biennemi uh, an opportunity a- as well to kind of get Nagy into like that top position where they want him to eventually you know, be that guy for Patrick Mahomes. And, and then back to the Reed point. It's just, I think, a window into what has made him so great. And then, you know, even before Mahomes, you go back to uh, Alex Smith and Michael Vick and Donovan McNabb, those quarterbacks so great. I don't think any of those quarterbacks are as great as they were without Andy Reid.
2: I completely agree. I think this story uh, explains in great detail and demonstrates in great detail how smart Andy Reid is. And that's something that we don't always credit quite in that way that he's an extraordinarily intelligent man who is not only smart, but knows how to treat people, which is why he is uh, seen as a player's coach and why players talk about how they'll do anything for him because he's that way. It's rare to find uh, that combination, someone who's so extraordinarily world-class intelligent and also has the ability to interface with people uh, in, in, a, in a positive, successful way. And I think that's, that's something that we have to remember about Reed is that he has both of those qualities. And it's also demonstrated in his choice of slogans for the year. Edge is excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I, I would surprise you to, when I say there's never been a Super Bowl ring that said eliminate bad football. Uh, on the side of it because that was a terrible slogan put forth by a previous uh, chiefs head coach. And he didn't get a chance to put it on a ring.
1: I, uh, I always try to figure out what the slogan is. Uh, I must've like not thought about it last year. Cause I didn't look really yeah. look into it. And this was surprising to me. Uh, I will be on the case when I get to training camp and I'll try to relay the, the slogan for 2023. Cause it's different every year, even though you win, right. right. For example, yeah. in 20. Uh, 20 it was run it back um, you know came up short but that was something that everyone really bought into usually it's it's just it encompasses what the the team's goal is for that year i want to and this is for, for my guy steve behind the scenes here i want to tease from the podium because i thought the mandatory minicamp pressers were actually good i don't always think that i'm not just saying that so i, I if you want to go back and listen to the pressers in full this week we had travis kelsey george carloftis clyde edwards zelaire Joe Tooney, you can skip that one. Mark Valdez Scantling, Sky Moore, <laughs> Jerick McKinnon, and then Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes from the podium. Uh, go check it out. I I thought John usually, you, you know, sometimes are not as good, but this was right. a very good week right. of press.
2: No, I agree. Most of them were excellent, and I'm sorry, Joe, but you know, we're just we're, we just like to have a lot of information in our answers, me, and you don't give a lot. So let all. me tell you
1: something about Joe Tooney. It's not his fault that he's so bad at the press conferences because. You know, Chiefs PR does a good job of making sure players don't say certain things. And so does Patriots PR. It is like chocolate coated on chocolate. Like sometimes there's too much in a candy, right? Like I don't need like a chocolate double chocolate fudge donut right and that's that's Joe Tooney at the podium it's just He's too much
2: PR departments there's just too many coatings yeah, of yeah. like
1: extreme PR that have prevented him <laughs> from saying anything interesting all right uh, I want to get to five things I think after minicamp I, I broke it up into three categories two on offense two on defense um, and one general I'll give my two offensive takeaways as we enter uh, training camp here John let you weigh in I'll do defense He's let you weigh in and in the general So the first two offensive things, these are things I think after minicamp heading into training camp, I think Deneric Prince, the running back, uh, is the ultimate wild card. When you talk about undrafted free agents, we should be getting excited about, which I'll get into a a second for the 17th time. Deneric Prince actually fits (laughs) the mold because he could see the field this year. He's already the starting kick returner in my mind. Uh, He has been compared to Niall Davis when it comes to special teams. Uh, I've seen what he can do when he catches the football in the backfield and how quickly he can turn on his gear. Had it not been for him being a little bit raw at pass protection, I think Jarek McKinnon would maybe be in trouble uh, in a sense. I think Jarek McKinnon will start the year in that position, and who knows if uh, Prince's pass pro can get to a point by the end of the year, maybe he's that two in that one-two tandem. And Eric Prince is a a – certain bet for making this team and i think pass protection is going to be a huge thing for him as far as how much playing time on offense he's able to get for this year and uh that goes back to brett Veach. two years in a row i think he really nailed that seventh undrafted which are almost the same i mean you're taking someone the same right. as you think someone else might outbid you or something like that but uh but prince um was brought here john i see you have something to say already good
2: i was just going to point out that uh mckenna isn't going to be here next year I right. think that's the, the the key thing to remember here is I think it'd be real surprising for McKinnon to get another season with the Chiefs. So it's important for Prince to get that opportunity to get out there and show what he can do in pass production. In
1: other words, uh, fulfill that role that McKinnon speaking uh, fulfills of, in the offense. Speaking of from the podium, you know, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, so it's just my takeaway from the press conference, like, mckinnon was giving me this is my last year vibes at his turn mm-hmm. at yeah. the presser anyway so maybe maybe they said to him look you don't have to work the off season that was confirmed where he, he just didn't have to practice which was really nice for a 31 year old running back and they might have said to him we got this guy who we think can be really good maybe you mentor him for a year you're still going to be our guy as far as you know the third downs go and uh you know let's roll uh i'm sorry, i got andy reed coming rubbing off on me um <laughs> And then my second offensive point, John, is in the wide receiver room, uh, Richie James has trumped Justin Watson for me. I know that we've talked about the money and Watson has the 1.4, whereas Richie James has the 500,000. Uh, but as I said, we're, with generic Prince, I expect to be the kick returner. I expect Richie James to be punt returner. He showed me a little bit of something on offense that I didn't see the one day of mandatory minicamp. I believe it was Tuesday. Kadaris Tony couldn't go. And Richie James got, got to work a lot more with Patrick Mahomes. And he, you could see why he had 500 yards last year in the NFL. Remember, you know, we're looking at players with yardage and snaps in the NFL. That's the, the main thing here. And uh, I think if anyone is knocking on the door to me, uh, it would be John Ross, Emir uh, Smith-Marset, and then Justin Ross. So to me, I'm <laughs> ranking Justin Ross ninth because he oh, can't man. stay on the field. And when he's on the field he doesn't look like he has that much first to me and to take the fastest player. Maybe you have on the potential roster in John Ross and to rank him ahead makes no sense. John Ross looks healthy and I know the chiefs like him for his speed, but I think if any of those hopefuls were to knock off a receiver, I think the chiefs much like they did with Jermaine Carter would throw the 1.4 away first, you know, or try to maybe move Watson, uh, before, um, before Richie James, because I, I think Richie James is re- locked in as the punt returner. So that was a a a change I made in my mind for the die the diehards, right? Like who really focus on these things. I now have Richie James in the wide receiver five spot, and Watson is my wide receiver six.
2: Well, I I made the point last week that I think Brett Veach likes to spend a little bit of money to buy some insurance for himself, mm-hmm. uh, going into uh, going into the draft, and I think that's what he did with Justin Watson. And you just made a point that uh, struck me is that Watson's contract would make him eminently tradable for a team that needed a wide receiver who's reliable. And, you know, that maybe didn't get, you know, six or seven different wide receivers who could make their team Mm -hmm. (laughs) through the offseason process. Watson might be a very attractive candidate for a trade uh, because his contract is excellent um you know he's he's very inexpensive in his second year you you trade a seventh round draft pick for a couple of years of watson that's a good deal so maybe I that's it, the way it, that that veach is thinking about call it. me
1: crazy but i think you can get into six five range for watson where it's a sixth conditional on how many snaps he has into a mm-hmm. fifth i, I yeah. really do i mean i think he he's that type of player and again um constant apologies to the the Justin Ross truthers. I just don't see it again. Yeah. And um, just for the record,
2: it's at PG Sween. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just be when, clear when, about how you get in touch with Pete. You know what? Not... <laughs> uh, I'm
1: ready for the mentions on 53 cutdown day when he makes it, John, it's, it's not <laughs> going to be pretty. All right. On defense. Uh, I said this before. I think the six cornerbacks are set uh, in stone. Uh, Legarius Sneed, uh, Trent McDuffie, uh, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, uh, Nazi Johnson, and Nick jones uh johnson and jones were good nazi johnson is a mortal lock for the team I, I know that he was taken in the rounds last year but dave tope calling him the best gunner in the league potentially at the end of last year locks him in nick jones looked really good as a seventh rounder you got to perform in the offseason that'll have to continue in training camp if there's anyone to watch uh, in the cornerback room to me i learned from camp uh, it's dicaprio boodle boodle was getting a lot of play this camp because uh, Legere Seed and, and Trent McDuffie didn't get to work that much. They, the Chiefs were being precautionary with, with some issues that they were having and so I think Boodle might have some inside-outside upside. I, I think I saw that during during camp. We know that Steve Spagnuolo said that he's looking for another nickel that could maybe be a guy if they want to leave uh, what were LeJarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie on the outside. And so it would be nice to have the new Rashad Fenton in a way. And I think Boodle's a candidate for that. So he would be the one if there is a one, but I don't think there's going to be a one. Like I said, I, I think it, it is locked in. But the thing that Boodle has on his side, John, is a couple of years now working with Steve Spagnuolo.
2: Right. But that's going to be true of uh, Nazi Johnson as well. And uh, and I think they like Nico Jones. I, I think you're right on with this, Pete. I think those guys are all all but set certainly four of them the last two would be the only ones that'd be questionable but those guys look pretty set too and uh boodle you know we're at the point now where the chiefs are going to be cutting guys who are pretty good yeah that's where we're at when you have a deep roster this is what happens you've got guys like justin Ross, uh johnson watson excuse me who could be uh, a productive player a veteran who's not who might not make this team so this is where we are
1: the outgoing waivers are going to be interesting this year. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. wonder if there's a couple of young guys that get picked up. Yeah. Uh, and this is my first bold prediction of 2023. Here we go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Keeping in mind that Justin Reed could uh, sell you. I was saying uh, this is a, a, a good disclaimer as well. Keeping in mind that Justin Reed could sell you a bag of beans for $100. Great on the mic. He, he's He could sell you anything. He was open this <laughs> camp in saying that he wasn't fully comfortable with the defense until December of last year uh, going back to you know when they signed him they were really excited about what this kid could do as far as replacing Tyron Matthew and doing everything now it's a completely different thing and I thought he had a pretty good year aside from uh, mixing up the the Bengals skill position players. I thought he had a pretty good year and, and again, not really even really understanding the defense. It reminded me a little bit of when Patrick Mahomes said he was making it up as he goes along this initial year until like halfway through the year. And he was just playing really well. Um, so this is the first bold prediction of the off season. I think Justin Reed is at least a second team, all pro safety next year. And that has a lot to do with Steve Spagnuolo and what he's able to do. And also the, a variety of different ways that they can use Justin Reed. You know, you can use him uh, in the the backfield almost as a free. You can put him in the box. He can defend the run. Hell, Steve Spagnuolo likes to blitz these guys sometimes. I think Justin Reed could be a cornerback for you. He could play that slot position. So similar math. you can do a lot of different things. I think the big difference is from week one on, he has a little bit more of a grasp of the defense, and I think that's going to lead to more interceptions, which usually gets you into the range of like that second team all pro. So I don't, maybe not the boldest prediction in the world, but I think when you, whenever you're saying the words all pro about a player who has never been an all pro, it's a little bit of a bold prediction.
2: Well, I think that what you're saying fits in with what has generally been observed about Reed last year is that he wasn't great in the beginning of the season. And then towards the end, he was better. So, you know, that, that his now admission that he didn't really grasp the defense well until December Fits in with that observation that's been made by more than one person, frankly. So uh, you may have, you may be onto something there, Pete. We'll just, ha- we'll just have to see.
1: Yeah, we got to save that clip. Uh, <laughs> Get your receipts right here. And uh, this <laughs> is just a general point, and we'll talk about more injuries in a second. I don't get the feeling running back Isaiah Pacheco or defensive tackle Turk Wharton, who had offseason surgery, they both did, will be ready in a month if they weren't able to do anything in this camp which there's barely any contact it's i'm just finding it hard to believe that they will definitely be ready now that isn't to say they won't be ready by week one but i'm foreseeing the pup in the future for pacheco and wharton um so i don't i don't know how much we have to freak out about that other than um polarizing player number one on the chiefs Clyde edwards Alaire would be in line to probably getting a lot of touches early on in training camp
2: yeah, well, you've gotten people freaked out. Congratulations. Way to yeah. go, Pete. At Pete. PG Sween once again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know.
1: I, well, I think you're a, right. I think Two you're surgeries, right. torn yeah. labrum, shoulder. And I, I I actually think both of them will be available for week one. I just, yeah, I know that when we get to that first day, the clicks will be coming in, which we like, but not for a good reason. And that's because Pacheco and Wharton will be on the PUP. Other injuries that happened during uh, the offseason, Blake Bell had an appendectomy. I think he should be fine uh, by the time training camp starts, but that's something where you just need to rest. Uh, Safety Mike Edwards uh, had a hamstring issue. Cornerback Trent McDuffie had some stress on his fibula. Cornerback LeJarious Sneed had some knee swelling. I think all those guys will be fine too, but uh, it remains something to be noted. And right guard Trey Smith uh, had a a strained tricep. He looked fine last night. It uh, was in the biggest suit that I've ever had. I don't know where these guys get these suits, these big red suits. Uh, I I heard him say he he feels okay. You know, I imagine a month off, um, and doing the right things as far as any kind of rehab for that will be okay for him to go. In the meantime, uh, you know, the Chiefs have Nick Allegretti who can go at a, a, either guard position. So if he he did have to miss the beginning, I think he'd be okay. But Andy Reid said most of these guys will be good to go. To me, that means the five I just listed will be able to go at the beginning of training camp. Like I said, I think wants to watch or pacheco and wharton on that
2: i think that's a i think that's a good estimation we'll just have to see how it plays out as always
1: all we can do is give our best guests uh guesses mm-hmm. in these situations because well, there'll be an update uh, sometimes at, we're working yeah. with
2: very little information really
1: there'll be an update at the beginning of training camp andy Reid, patrick mahomes and the rookies get there first and that's when we'll find out more information about sure these guys and where they stand, nothing to freak out about right now, right? These guys just got their rings. And, uh, you know, on the Pacheco front, it's not preventing him from dancing. This guy, well, he's still hes still going on the TikTok and, and doing his dances. He was <laughs> dancing a little bit on the red carpet last night. So it, it seems to be headed in the right direction. All right. When we come back, we'll round up the news and then we'll close this thing out. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, wrapping up the offseason with our final show until mid-July. And with that being the case, we want to let you know some dates you should know heading into this break for us. June 29th is the match. That is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey of the world champion Kansas City Chiefs against uh, another dynasty, one in the NBA of uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. We Weren't able to get it done this year, but they've won... Ton of championships in the NBA. These are both fun-loving teams. I think uh, the NBA uh, has certain versions of uh, what would be Mahomes and, and Kelsey. Uh, if you're trying to find that right now, Curry and Thompson are as close to you know as you could possibly get. In Mahomes uh, um, has said that the match uh, is going to be fun. They asked him if Travis Kelsey, and he said, "Why not? Like, <laughs> of course we want Kelsey in." And then, uh, John, this July 12th, this uh, quarterback documentary on Netflix, it features Mahomes. My understanding is it's a three-episode series. One of them is on Mahomes. One of them is on Marcus Mariota. And one of them is on Kirk Cousins. And Mahomes says it will show a different side of him. What uh, do you make of this, John? Well, he said
2: yesterday that he sometimes doesn't remember what he says on the field that Mm -hmm. he that he gets all worked up and he starts jawing with other players that there was a lot of publicity this week about uh, Max Crosby of the Las Vegas Raiders headbutting him after they had been uh, been chirping at each other through the whole game. And some people wanted to be upset about that, but you know, I've seen the clip now and, and I think it was all, I think it was all fine. You know, Mahomes isn't, isn't pissed off about it. He recognized that they'd been going at each other for a while and Crosby came back and, and, Mahomes understood that that's what it was about. It was fine. But I think that sometimes it gets pretty, um, pretty pro- profane for yeah. lack of a better well, word. You can it- see,
1: I've said this before, like you can see in the mannerisms that he does. He yeah. taunts the other team and he, yeah. ta- he chirps like you can see that when he's flexing and like yelling yeah. across the field and we had mentioned already in this podcast about the counting on his fingers against the organizations that that wronged him as far as like lamar jackson getting one in the top 100 and uh what was it the bears picking him 10th he I, he's one of these guys that's a psychopath on the field and likes to you know be motivated by people telling him he's not great and uh This will provide your first glimpse as far as what he's actually saying. So uh, I am looking forward to it. I already kind of assumed that this part of him existed, but it'll be, uh, I think, interesting to put the words to those thoughts uh, that I've had for a while now.
2: So now we know that uh, competitive prick actually means
1: psychopath on the yeah, field. So right. we can we
2: can we can make a, some an, equ- an equation there that uh, put those and put it, those it, terms together.
1: If there's a if there's a time to be like that, it's on. You know, we talked about the the NBA. Um, you know, this is something where like it's respect in the NBA. You're talking trash all game, but at the end, you know, you, you just stop talking trash. Right. He never says anything mm-hmm. at the podium, and when he's calm, it's just you know right. ultra competitiveness, which. I think it was a good thing. All right. It's led to a lot of wins for for the Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Alaire reveals that his parade day obligations were made months before the Super Bowl. This had been a fan theory that he was mad at the team. But he says that he had obligations to go to the fashion show and mentioned the conversation with Jet McKinnon about why they couldn't have the parade on a different different day. said he felt like he had to be in New York. you buying this, John?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I get why people wanted to make it a bad thing, but um, you know, I I think it's a lot to ask a guy who isn't going to be playing this game for the rest of his life to be thinking about what's going to be going on afterwards. And if he's gotten a position where he can um, get some notoriety in the fashion world, whatever it is that he wants to do after football, and he's not doing it at a time that takes something away from the team and I don't really think being away from the parade takes anything away from the team. Frankly, it might if he was Patrick Mahomes, but he's not. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's be clear about this. If if Patrick Mahomes decided he wanted to do something else, that would be a different thing. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to worry that much about what his post football career will be like, but Clyde Edwards Alaire does. And right. I think that I think it's wrong for us to to put that on him, even if he deliberately decided that he didn't want to go to the parade three or four months before the end of the season. What's the big deal? He did what he was required
1: to do, and he made that clear in his remarks the other day. So I think think it's okay. I think the whole Clyde thing is fine, even though it, it has been a little bit weird. I mean, he's still coming to everything that he's contractually obligated to come to. I think the end here is him playing as well as he possibly can in 2023 and then signing with the team in 2024. And that's fine, right? if he's able to uh it is i mean you're you're in the barking right now it is just it we've my house has turned into an animal house over the past month or two um, well it's
2: glad it's not just willie anymore ma-
1: that's good. maybe uh maybe sullivan is a <laughs> as a hardcore uh clyde edward's laugh fan that i didn't realize ah that's uh, what
2: it is of course yeah yeah
1: anyway um i i think and that's fine right like if he's able to sign and link up elsewhere, of course I have my doubts and you know, with the, the way the running back position has gone, maybe there's even a pick that comes back to the chiefs into that formula. I'm talking about like a six round comp
2: mm-hmm. and who knows.
1: And so no reason to root against the guy. He's on the team for the year. It, it doesn't seem like he's going any anywhere. Um, at least for now. I mean, I, you never know about like a late camp trade that, that Brett Feach has uh, done in the past with certain guys, but I, I don't know if I foresee that in Clyde's future. I think he's here at, might be in that Ronald Jones role, and maybe it's more, just depending on injuries and, and whatnot. So we will see what's in the future for Clyde. Uh, the 33 year old Travis Kelsey on how long he'll play until the wheels fall off, baby. Travis Kelsey says that he <laughs> is not going anywhere. John, if you had to guess, he's going to be 34 in the middle of the season. How long, how, how much longer in the, the career of, of Kelsey?
2: I think he'll play until he's, um, I think he'll play until he's 38 at least, maybe 39, maybe even 40.
1: I think, yeah, I I agree with you. And I I think he would be more apt to retire if he's able to to get to that yard threshold, which which gets us into that that next conversation. John, this was an article that Bill Barnwell put out, how the Chiefs Travis Kelsey can be seen as the the greatest of all time. Like if Kelsey's 38 and he's within, like, I don't know, let's say – a thousand twelve hundred ish or something
2: mm-hmm. couldn't you
1: see him just trying to like get that yardage record and then you know even as a tight end two in the next two years remember, right. maybe he'll play as a forty year old right and be right. Like, even if it's like a three hundred yard season and then he has the most yards ever as a tight end and then goes and then um maybe the wheels are off at that point already maybe he's wearing a different jersey I know we never like to think that but remember Jer- Jamal Charles Charles wore a Jaguars and Broncos jersey at the end of his career um I think he goes for a long, a long time. I mean, I but I think he's as productive as he's been maybe for the next two to three, at least, uh, if well, not the fourth.
2: Well, Barnwell's point was that uh, he'd have to play to that age and and be productive uh, through that period in order to uh, break Gonzalez's record. But I argued in the article that I wrote about it that I don't think that really matters. I think that he's already at a point, you know, having uh, having an accomplishment that no tight end has ever had. Uh, No tight end has had more than 4,000-yard seasons. Kelsey's had seven, one after the other. I mean, that's an astonishing record for a tight end. Uh, In my mind, he's already the greatest of all time. But, um, you know, some some folks will look at it differently. But I think if he has at least seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons and at least two Super Bowl rings, how could he not be the greatest of all time?
1: With tight end production the way it is, tight ends are very different than wide receivers and running backs. Like with tight end production the way it is, I mean, you're looking at, okay, so this is his age 33, 34 season, 34, 35, and then 35, 36. 10 seasons of 1,000 yards is not impossible for him.
2: No, it's Cause, not. Because
1: tight ends can remain productive into their mid 30s, which is just different than other positions. And it's even, I think, each year getting a little easier because of the tackle rules. That's something that goes into this mm. conversation as well. Like, just a different game than when tony played and so he's getting less beat up than tony as he's entering those like twilight tony aged seasons mm-hmm. so I, yeah yeah you know, i think that that plays into it as well yeah the chiefs have finally signed their last 20 23 draft pick so uh, man i finally chiefs fans slept last night it's been a it's been a tough few weeks <laughs> uh wide receiver she rice is now uh, under contract and john i'm gonna let you you tell us who else they signed over the weekend.
2: Yeah. I... Yeah. Yesterday they signed a former Indianapolis Colts uh, wide out. Actually, he was just with the Colts uh, during the off season. They released him just before training camp, right about this time last year, actually. Uh, his name is K. Crawford. It's spelled a, a slightly different way, but he pronounces K. Coca uh, who uh, played at Michigan and California in college and then was with the Colts in the off season last year. He was, uh, a player who uh, tried out with the chiefs during the rookie minicamp and then got an invitation to uh, try out again this week and now they've signed him and they have made room for him to by uh, getting rid of a cornerback uh witherstone the cornerback witherstone who was among the players who joined the
1: team on may 6th i liked withers witherstone but i guess he didn't do enough uh, during the mandatory and you know you never see the classroom part of it so it remains right to be seen. right when the chiefs signed these tryout players by the way it's it, to me, it's more of an indication that they're going to be on the practice squad. So if you are going above and beyond and making your 69-man roster, you should keep that in <laughs> mind uh, as you're doing that exercise. John, I put up a flash poll to, to end this, uh, this season of the editor's show, and it was at this point, and this was as of June 16th, who is winning the Super Bowl? Is it the Chiefs or the field? How did this poll go? how many what 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 was the breakdown between percentages? How what is the percentage of Chiefs fans that think the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl over the other 31 teams at this point?
2: I think the fan base is pretty confident now. I think it's above 50%, maybe 60 or 70. 83.9%.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well they're more confident than I realized.
1: Yeah. That is something. And we know that there are some haters that follow our head pride as well. So that plays into it. It's probably more like 85, 86 um when it comes down to it. So that is the flash poll here on the editor's show. Uh, we are keeping the podcast rolling uh, as we go. We're going to take a break, but the, Steve will have some some podcasts that will put out throughout the off season. I know that Kramer's helping him do that as well. I told you, this is the last time i would tell you. This is my final book tease. Um, if you want to remember, until December, I'm going to remind you of Christmas. Uh, <laughs> this, if you want to purchase and remember the 2022 season, I wrote a book. You can find it. It's called The Dynasty Begins at twitter.com slash PG The link is at the top of the Twitter. Of course, thank you to Steve for a great season here. Thank you to John. Uh, important to say this, too. I mean, uh, you know, we'll be back, but uh, uh, I really enjoy doing this podcast with you, John. I appreciate uh, Steve's work behind the scenes. Uh, I know that fans have really grown to enjoy it, so we we always thank you for for listening, and, and thank you, John, for another I, uh, great season of The Editor I, Show.
2: I appreciate being a part of it. I really, really en- enjoy this part of my job. It harkens back to my days working in radio, where I was often... Not in front of the microphone, <laughs> but uh, so uh, so I've really enjoyed being part of it. So thanks for that.
1: All right, so that is it for thirty plus days, which leaves a lot of time for you to get your reviews in. I wanna I wanna almost have to dedicate part of the end of the show for when we come back uh, to read some uh, of these reviews. If you read, leave a review on Apple iTunes, we'll read it on the show. You can include a comment, a question, whatever it is. So for Steve and for John, my name is Pete Sweeney. Have a great month. This has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.